Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth, but Heavenly Minded. I'm your host, Irv Risch. And as we move forward, we're going to be going through the entire New Testament. Uh, and with that, we're going to do a commentary afterwards. And uh, with that said, let us just move on to our next section. And thank you for joining me. Chapter 27 And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of Adramidium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Nidus. And as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmone. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there, on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind, called the Northeaster, struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cauda, we managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then, fearing that they would run aground on the Certus, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. Since we were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope of our being saved was at last abandoned. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Yet now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God 
that it will be exactly as I have been told, but we must run aground on some island. When the fourteenth night had come, as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little farther on they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. As day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all two hundred and seventy-six persons in the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they had planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. Acts chapter 27 1. Paul's voyage to Rome and shipwreck, 27 verse 1 to 28 verse 16. This chapter presents the thrilling saga of the Apostles' voyage from Caesarea to Malta, en route to Rome. If Paul had not been a passenger, we would never have heard of the trip or of the shipwreck. The passage is full of nautical terms and is therefore not always easy to follow. 27 verse 1 The journey began at Caesarea. Paul was placed in the custody of an officer named Julius. This centurion was attached to the Augustan Regiment, a distinguished legion of the Roman army. Like all the other centurions mentioned in the NT, he was a man of superior character in kindness, justice, and consideration for others. 27 verse 2, there were other prisoners on board who, like Paul, were being taken to Rome for trial. Also on the passenger list were the names of Aristarchus and Luke both traveling companions of the Apostle on earlier journeys. The ship on which they embarked was from Adruminium, a city of Mysia in the northwest corner of Asia Minor. It was scheduled to sail north and west, making stops at ports along the coasts of Proconsular Asia, the western province of Asia Minor. 27 verse 3, the ship sailed north along the coast of Palestine, putting in at Sidon, 70 miles from Caesarea. Julius, the centurion, kindly permitted Paul to go ashore and visit his friends and receive care. 
27 verses 4, 5, from Sidon, the route cut across the northeast corner of the Mediterranean, passing Cyprus on the left, and thus taking advantage of the side of the island sheltered from the wind. In spite of the winds being contrary, the ship crossed over to the southern coast of Asia Minor, then sailed westward past Cilicia and Pamphylia till it arrived at Myra, a port city of Lycia. 27 verse 6, there the centurion transferred his prisoners to another ship, since the first one would not take them any closer to Italy, it would rather sail up the western coast of Asia Minor to its home port. The second ship was from Alexandria, on the northern coast of Africa. It carried 276 people, both crew and passengers, and a cargo of wheat. From Alexandria it had sailed due north across the Mediterranean to Myra, and was now heading west for Italy. 27 verses 7, 8, for many days travel was slow, due to adverse winds. It was with difficulty that the crew brought the ship over against the harbour of Nidus, pronounced Nidus, a port on the extreme southwest corner of Asia Minor. Since the wind was against them, they headed south and sailed along the sheltered east side of the island of Crete. Rounding Cape Samony, they turned westward and bucked heavy winds until they came to Fair Havens, a harbour near the city of Lacia, on the south-central coast of Crete. 27 verses 9, 10, by now considerable time had been lost due to unfavorable sailing conditions. The approach of winter weather made further travel dangerous. It must have been late September or early October, since the fast, the Day of Atonement, was already over. Paul warned the crew that navigation was unsafe and that if this voyage were continued, there would be the danger of losing the cargo and ship, and even the lives of some on board. 27 verses 11, 12, however, the helmsman and the owner of the ship wanted to proceed. The centurion accepted their judgment, and most of the others agreed with them too. It was felt that the harbor was not as suitable as Phoenix would be as a place to spend the winter. Phoenix was located 40 miles west of Fair Havens, at the southwest tip of Crete. Its harbor opened toward the southwest and northwest. 27 verses 13 to 17, when the south wind blew softly, the mariners thought they could make the extra distance to Phoenix. They weighed anchor and sailed westward, hugging the shore. Then a violent northeaster, Eurocliton, beat down upon them from the cliffs along the coast. Unable to steer the desired course, the crew was forced to let the ship be driven by the gale. They were driven southwest to a small island called Clauda, 20 to 30 miles from Crete. When they reached the protected side of the island, they had difficulty securing the skiff which they had been towing. But finally they were able to hoist it on board. Then they tied cables around the hull of the ship to keep it from being torn apart by the heavy seas. They greatly feared they would be driven south to Sirtis, a gulf on the coast of Africa noted for its dangerous shoals. To prevent this, they struck sail and so were driven. 27 verses 18, 19, after a day of drifting at the mercy of the storm, they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. Doubtless the ship had been taking a lot of water, and it was therefore necessary to lighten its load to prevent it from sinking. 27 verses 20, for many days they were tossed about helplessly without sight of sun or stars, and thus without the ability to take bearings and find out where they were. Hope of survival was finally given up. 27 verses 21 to 26, despair was accentuated by hunger. The men had not eaten for many days. Doubtless they spent their time working for the preservation of the ship and bailing out water. Perhaps there were no facilities for cooking.
sickness, fear, and discouragement probably robbed them of appetite. There was no shortage of food, but neither was there an inclination to eat. Then Paul stood in the midst of them with a message of hope. First he gently reminded them that they should not have sailed from Crete. Then he assured them that though the ship would be lost, there would no loss of life. How did he know? An angel of the Lord had appeared to him that night, assuring him that he would yet stand before Caesar in Rome. God had granted the apostle all those who sailed with him in the sense that they, too, would be preserved. Therefore they should cheer up. Paul believed that all would be well, even though they would be shipwrecked on a certain island. A. W. Tozer writes insightfully. When the south wind blew softly, the ship that carried Paul sailed smoothly enough and no one on board knew who Paul was or how much strength of character lay hidden behind that rather plain exterior. But when the mighty tempest, Eurocliton, burst upon them, Paul's greatness was soon the talk of everyone on the ship. The apostle, though himself a prisoner, quite literally took command of the vessel, made decisions and issued orders that meant life or death to the people. And I think the crisis brought to a head something in Paul that had not been clear even to him. Beautiful theory was quickly crystallized into hard fact when the tempest struck. 27 verses 27 to 29, 14 days had elapsed since they left Fair Havens. They were now drifting helplessly in a part of the Mediterranean known as the Adriatic, the sea between Greece, Italy, and Africa. About midnight the sailors sensed that they were drawing near some land, perhaps they could hear the breakers dashing against the shore. When they first measured the depth, they found it was 20 fathoms, 120 feet, then a little later it was 15 fathoms. To prevent running the ship aground, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. 27 verses 30 to 32, fearing for their lives, some of the sailors plotted to get ashore in the small boat. They were in the process of lowering the skiff from the bow of the ship, pretending they were putting out more anchors, when Paul reported their plot to the centurion. Paul warned that unless the sailors remained on board, the rest would not be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes attached to the skiff and let it fall off. The sailors were thus compelled to try to save their own lives on board the ship, as well as the lives of the others. 27 verses 33, 34, Philip's titles verses 33 to 37, Paul's sturdy common sense. To appreciate the drama of the moment, we should really know something of the terror of a violent storm at sea. Then too, we should remember that Paul was not the captain of the ship, but only a captive passenger. Shortly before daybreak Paul implored the people to eat, reminding them that they had gone two weeks without food. The time had come to eat, their well-being depended on it. The apostle assured them that not a hair of anyone's head would be lost. 27 verse 35, then he set the example for them by taking bread, giving thanks to God publicly for it, and eating. How often we shrink from praying in front of others. Yet how often such prayer speaks louder than our preaching. 27 verses 36, 37, thus encouraged, they took food themselves. There were 276 persons on the ship. 27 verses 38 to 41, after eating, they lightened the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. Land was nearby, but they could not recognize it. The decision was made to beach the ship, as far on shore as possible. They let go the anchors, leaving them in the sea. Then they untied the rudders that had previously been raised, and lowered them into position. 
Hoisting the mainsail, they made for shore and drove the ship aground at a place where two seas met, probably in a channel, between two islands. The bow stuck fast in the sand, but the stern soon began to break apart by the violence of the waves. 27 verses 42-44, the soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners to prevent escape, but the centurion, wanting to save Paul, overruled. He ordered all who could swim to make for shore. The rest were told to float in on boards or other parts of the ship. In this way, every one of the crew and passengers escaped safely to land. Well, this ends another one of our podcasts. And until uh, next time, just remember, God is out here. And you can find out all about him in your Bibles. All you have to do is pick it up and read it. I have mine right here. And uh, God is in this Bible. So please read it. With that said, bye for now. Till next time.